Teeth. You're listening to the RUF at UT podcast. You're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And you are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. For more information, go to www.utk.ruf.org. of things happened. Obviously, the Olympics is going down. Some of y'all are crazy into the Olympics. Some of y'all have blasted through Stranger Things already on Netflix and are excited about it. Uh, Pokemon, okay, let's do let's do that. That was big this summer. Chance dropped that record. That's hot. Ava Brothers, I mean, come on, it's a, it a hot summer. Big summer for the Howell family, and here's why. Because we got a dog and a minivan. Thank you. We officially crossed the threshold into like very boring adulthood. Um, but one of my one of the things that I really enjoyed this summer that I kind of got into, the, I saw the, all these videos that were going around social media and whatnot. And there were these videos. I'm sure you've seen them. It's when professional athletes dress up like kind of elderly people and then there's these hidden cameras and they go out and play their professional sport with people around. So if you haven't seen these, my favorite one is of uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, NBA player, professional basketball player, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the word NBA. And for four hours he sits in a chair and a professional makeup team puts like junk on his face and fake gray hair and they make him look like an like a 65 year old man they put him in this sweat sweatsuit and uh he drives out to this outdoor basketball court where all these like tough guys are playing basketball outside and he kind of rolls in and there's these hidden cameras everywhere and it kind of works out he, he sits down and somebody I guess they had like a, a, a some, this was planned. They had a guy kind of roll their ankle and they're like, oh, we need, we need another guy to play. And so it's like, oh, Uncle Drew can play. And so he kind of comes onto the court and he's all slow. And you can tell as they're videotaping people's reactions, everybody's kind of rolling their eyes and like, this old dude's going to suck and like slow everybody down. And sure enough, he's really slow. He's dropping the ball. He's like throwing up bricks. And it's just, everyone's just really annoyed that he's out there. And all of a sudden, he just kind of starts pranking it up a little bit. And so he kind of, you know, he sits back and like drops a three. And everybody's just like, oh, old man, you know, just scored. And then all of a sudden he starts like doing some like, you know, dribbles like taking the people and throwing on the lane. And people are like, this old guy's warming up and he is good. And the highlight, he steals the ball from somebody and he's dribbling down on a fast break, throws the ball up off the glass, catches it, and just cranks it. And everybody that's watching, you know, there's crowd from everybody that's watching, they just fall out of their chairs. It's like, Totally amazing. And the reason why I tell you that story is because these people, they didn't know what they were dealing with. They didn't know who this person was. And so they didn't really know how to relate to him. How hard do we guard him? Do we take this guy seriously? Is he legit or is he not? Because they didn't know who he was. And I tell you that story because in many ways that's what a lot of y'all, that's kind of where a lot of y'all are tonight in regards to RUF. You're like, I don't really know what this thing is called RUF. Maybe a friend brought you, a roommate brought you, you heard about it from a sibling, and you're here. You don't really know what to do with this, and so you don't really know how to relate to what this is. And so what I want to do tonight is is just kind of simple. 
before school starts, just to take one night and talk about what RUF is, to basically just kind of intro, introduce you to this so that maybe you have a better idea of what this is, so you know how to relate to it better. Do you want to get involved? Do you not? Do you think this is weird? Do you want to just kind of hang out in the back and leave early? Like, whatever. You'll, you'll know how to relate to us as a result, hopefully, tonight of knowing kind of who we are. So in order to do that, what I want to do is just look at one quick passage out of Mark chapter 2. So if you have a Bible or a little handout, we're going to look at Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. BT dubs. So sorry about the heat. I can't control it. If I could, I'd crank it not to this level. It's hot. I'm hot. I've got like, I've got a a rag in my pocket ready to wipe the sweat. So if it gets gross up here, we're just gross. It'll be gross tonight. Mark chapter 2, verse 13 says this. He went out again. This is talking about Jesus. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes and the Pharisees of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So here's what I want to do. To kind of zoom in and look at this passage, I want to draw out three things from this passage that kind of highlight core principles of what RUF is and what RUF stands for. So just three core ideas so that you can get to know what RUF is. And here are the three things I'll tell you up front. We care really a lot. We care really a whole lot. That was grammatically butchered. About community, mission, and the gospel. What do I mean by those three things? Well, let's start about community. What what do I mean by when I say one of our core values is that we care about community. Well, look at, look at the passage. Look at verse 15. It says, And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So, pause there. we got the snapshot of this little dinner scene. Jesus is having dinner with his disciples, and it says, Many tax collectors and sinners. Now, what are those two different types of people? Tax collectors were people that collected taxes for the Roman Empire, but they were notorious for taking a little bit off the top to kind of get some for themselves. They were basically white-collar criminals, corrupt IRS agents, if you were. That's what a tax collector was. Sinners, that's just a technical term that the Bible uses to mean people that don't really care about God or religion or spiritual stuff. So these are people that have kind of thrown up their middle finger in many ways to the religious establishment and said, I'm going to live the way that I want to live. And so here are tax collectors and here are sinners. And it says there's lots of them and they're hanging out and having dinner with Jesus and his like crew. And what I want you to see is this, that Jesus was willing to hang out with anybody, with people that were kind of moral failures, with people that were hurting other people, with people that have made really bad decisions with their life. Jesus came to establish a community where really anybody is welcome. 
Hold that thought. I don't know if you've seen the TV show Parts Unknown, but it's this show that uh, I caught on Netflix. It features this guy named Anthony Bourdain, who is this uh, famous author and chef. And the premise of the show is he travels around the world sampling and tasting like exotic foods. And in this one episode, Bourdain goes to Charleston, South Carolina. That was his exotic destination on this episode. And he's sitting down with this chef, this award-winning chef named Sean Brock, who has this famous restaurant called Husk in Charleston, which, by the way, there's a second Husk that is in Nashville, for my Nashville people. It's just a few blocks south of Sobro, if you're interested. But um, So he's this award-winning chef sitting with this like professional eater, and they're talking, and it kind of comes out that Anthony Bourdain, the host of the show, has never been to Waffle House. And Sean Brock is kind of shocked by this, that he's never been to Waffle House. And Bourdain, like, is kind of like skeptical too. He's like, I don't understand, like, all the hype. Why are people into? It's just, it sounds gross. And so Sean Brock says, "We're going there right now." And so they get up from this bar where they're kind of hanging out and having drinks and talking, and they go to Waffle House. And here is this, you know, professional eater, award-winning author and chef with this award-winning other chef, and they're at the counter at Waffle House. And Bourdain's looking at the menu. He's like, I'm already confused by just looking at the hash browns. Like, I don't know how this works. And Sean Brock looks at him and says, I'll take care of it. I'm going to arrange for us to kind of have a, like, I'm going to arrange for us like a, like a sampler. I'm going to get basically one of everything. And he starts off first course with a pecan waffle. Splits it in half and they're slathering that, you know, like gross butter from Waffle House all over. And they're pouring the syrup all over it. And he tries it and it's like his eyes roll back in his head. He's like, this is amazing. <laughs> Second course, patty melt. Split the patty melt. They're just taking it to the face, like licking the grease and the cheese off their fingers. Third course, green salad with Thousand Island dressing. Isn't this the grossest order ever? (laughs) The fourth course, pork chops and T-bone steaks. And then the final course, they kind of wrap it all up with um, uh, some fried eggs and hash browns. And... As, as this uh, scene is, is coming in on, on the uh, episode, Anthony Bourdain has this like really amazing monologue that they've edited. He's kind of pre-recorded, and they put the monologue in to set up the Waffle House scene. And it's so brilliant, and it's so amazing. I want to read it to you real quick. Here's what he says. Talking about Waffle House. It is indeed marvelous. <laughs> An irony-free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts. (laughs) Where everybody, regardless of race, creed, color, or degree of inebriation, is welcomed. (laughs) Its warm yellow glow, a beacon of hope and salvation, inviting the hungry, the lost, the seriously hammered, all across the South to come inside. A place of safety and nourishment. It never closes. It is always, always faithful. (laughs) Always there for you. Isn't that amazing? That was his experience of Waffle House. And I feel like he experienced something at Waffle House that all of us want. Like, we want to be part of a community that is an irony-free zone where you can be welcomed, where you can be nourished, where you can be warm, you can be fed. And believe it or not, that's the kind of community that Jesus came to establish. A community where all are welcome. 
doesn't matter how drunk you are, how high you are, what you believe, what you don't believe, where you are spiritually. He just says, come. I want to hang out with you. And that's the kind of community that we want to establish in RUF. Well, really, anybody is welcome to come and be a part of what we're doing. So we want to create a safe community on campus where regardless of what you think, regardless of what you believe, you can come and process and explore and wrestle with the truth claims of the Bible with us. Because I know that you all have questions. We want this to be a place where anyone can come and feel like you can be real, you can be yourself, you don't have to be on, you don't have to have the pressure of like, I've got to be happy tonight, I've got to have have all the answers, I've got to be buttoned up. That you can just come and wrestle and learn and process in community with us. But we also want this to be a community that's, like, fun. Like, if you noticed in the story, Jesus is not, like, always just hanging out having Bible studies with people. He's, like, feasting and, like, partying and having tacos with these dudes. And we want this to be a place that's marked by party and celebration and joy as well. We want this to be a place where you can come and feel like you have a place where people are excited to see you and that you, can, you have a place where you belong here and that you, have, you can meet friends here and lifelong friends here. You can meet your spouse here, whatever. We want this to be a fun, welcoming, safe, hospitable place for you, community. That's very important to us. The second thing that's really important to us about RUF is mission. And what do I mean by that? Well, uh, to, to answer that question, I want you to think about this. Here is Jesus at this dinner party with tax collectors and sinners and kind of this rough, bad group. And the question is, like, how did Jesus and that crew even get connected to each other? How did that clientele, the party crowd, even hook up with Jesus in the first place? And the answer to that question is if you go back to the beginning of the story. If you go back to verse 13, the story begins with Jesus out walking along the beach. Jesus likes long walks on the beach. And he runs into this dude named Levi. Look at, for, look at verse 14. It says, As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. So here's Levi, a tax collector, the white-collar criminal, like on the clock, scamming people, defrauding people, taking people's money. And Jesus walks up to him and says, Hey, Follow me. And for whatever reason, Levi is compelled to quit his job right then and there and get up and start following Jesus. I don't know what it was, but he was so compelled. And then the very next scene is the dinner party. Look at verse 15. As he reclined at table in his house. And I know the pronouns are kind of funky here, but this is saying as Jesus reclined at the table in Levi's house. So where did all these tax collector center people come from? Levi invited them. They were his, like, buds. Levi was so compelled by Jesus that he just invited his friends to come and meet him. And so when I say that we're all about mission, that's what I, that's what I mean. We, are, we want to be a group of people, a community of people, that are so compelled by who Jesus is and what he has done for us that we want to invite our friends to be a part of it. Not in an aggressive, militant, obnoxious way, but in a sensitive, tender, respectful way where we say, hey, we want our friends on campus to get to know this Jesus that is so dear to us. Hold that thought. I want to tell you two quick stories that happened to me over the summer. Story one. In our kitchen, we have a sink. 
that is connected to this utility sink in our garage. Like there's this pipe that's behind the wall and it kind of goes to the next room and it's connected to this utility sink in our garage. And there was some clog or something that happened between this sink and that sink to where food junk started gathering and collecting in the utility sink in the garage. And when I say food gunk, I mean like tar, sludge, black food stuff that started filling up in that utility sink. And it, it looked like poop and it smelled like death and it was it was like vomit it was chunky and murky it was just all this it was so gross and it's it was just horrid and it was gathering it was just kind of collecting in this sink and I was going to pour some Drano down the sink but I figured I probably need to drain all this stuff out before I just dump Drano down this thing and try to unclog it. So I brought a bucket over underneath it. There's this tube, this YouTube, YouTube, this YouTube pipe that goes underneath the sink. And I just kind of put the bucket under it. And my plan was I'm going to gently kind of unscrew it and just let it drip into the bucket. Because people are already shaking their heads, no. Because I'm an idiot, I don't understand physics or whatever that is. Because the weight of the food sludge in the utility sink was putting pressure on that thing. So when I loosened it, it didn't drip, it sprayed. And it sprayed all over me, and it sprayed on the wall, and just like the food junk was pouring into our garage, and it was everywhere, yuck everywhere. It was like Satan vomited everywhere in our garage. <laughs> story one. Story two. Last spring, uh, I enrolled as a student at Pellissippi State Community College. I, um, thank you. I have the uh, student ID to prove it. Uh, I, I signed up to audit a bowling class over the summer. And the reason I did this is because one of my, uh, I did it so I could play intramural basketball at Pellissippi State with one of my friends that works over there. So I did that. Every Thursday night this past spring, I would go drive out to Pellissippi State, play basketball, and it was fun, but it was humiliating because I'm getting old and I'm sore after every game and I'm getting weak. It was just bad. But the last game of the season, we're up 20 points, seven minutes left in the game. I jump up to grab a rebound, land... No one's around me. Hyperextend my knee when I land, and I hear a pop. And I know something bad just happened. It, it, it hurt, but it wasn't like painful, and I kind of hobbled up. It hurt, but it wasn't painful. <laughs> it hurt, but it wasn't that painful. And I hobbled off the court, and uh, it, it got really swollen. After about a week, the swelling went down, and then it felt fine. I mean, I, kind of was, I was walking around. It looked just like my other knee. But something I could tell was just a little, a little off. So I figured, I need, to, I need to check this out. Went to go see an orthopedic guy. He laid me down, and he did all these tests on it. He'd been in it. Does this hurt? Been in it. Does that hurt? No, no, that doesn't hurt. Is wheeling it. Does that hurt? No. And so I'm fully expecting him to say, uh, you sprained it, just put some ice on it. Because nothing hurt. And I'm walking around fine. And he says, you tore your ACL. I'm like... <laughs> I've, but it doesn't hurt. I'm walking around. I went hiking the other day. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Turns out, uh, he was right. Tore it. Even though it looked healthy, even though it looked fine, something on the inside was broken, and I had surgery six weeks or so ago. That's so why I got these wicked scars on my knee. Check them out later. So, 
The reason I tell you those two stories is this, because in this story that we just read from Mark 2, there are two different types of people in the story. You have the sinners and the tax collectors, and they're like the pipes, my garage pipes, overtly messy, just overtly, just junk everywhere, their life's a mess, and everybody knows it. But the other kind of person in the story were the scribes of the Pharisees, and these were the religious people, the people that stood back and said, why is Jesus hanging out with those people? And they're like my knee. They look great on the outside, they look healthy, but deep down they're broken. Deep down they're messed up too. My point is both types of people need Jesus. Both types of people broken. Both types of people need fixing. And this campus is full of both types of people. This room is full of both types of people. Some of you are in the camp where you're like, yeah, I know my life is a train wreck. I know I'm a mess. I know I have these addictions that I can't break. My relationships are toxic and blowing up. People look at me and they realize, like, I'm making really bad decisions. I keep doing things that I know I shouldn't do, but I don't feel that bad about doing them anymore, but I keep doing them. Everyone knows that you're a mess, and you know it too. And there's others of us in this other camp where um, we're nice and we're, we work hard and we're responsible and we go to Bible studies and on the outside we look really good. We're put together. But just like my knee, deep down something is broken on the inside and you need surgery in your innermost parts. And what we mean by that we want to be an RUF, uh, we want to be a community that is missional. We want to be a community that engages all different types of people with the, with the offer of healing that Jesus offers to us. We want to move out into this campus to offer people healing, new life. And we want RUF to be a place where you can be trained and equipped to do that. So we're going to do a lot of different things this, this semester. We're going to have opportunities for you to uh, go out and feed the homeless and interact with uh, people at uh, lower income. We're going to give you opportunities to beautify this campus and beautify Knoxville in really tangible, physical ways. Uh, we're going to have conversations, uh, actually in just a couple weeks, about race and how the gospel uh, addresses uh, all the racial tensions that we're kind of feeling as a country right now. Uh, we, we are going to be involved in having conversations about how the gospel relates to how you engage with your roommates and your sorority and your fraternity and your future. What I don't want you to go away from tonight thinking is that RUF is a, is a cute little fun Christian club where we huddle together on Tuesday nights. We are at the core of who we are, a community that is committed to blessing, investing, serving, and loving the place where God has put us, which is the University of Tennessee. That's what I mean by mission. Community, mission. And here's the last thing. I'll be brief here. We want to be motivated, fueled, and shaped by the gospel. What's that? Well, look at verse 17. It says, when Jesus heard it, when he heard the scribes and the Pharisees say, oh, why is he hanging out with them? Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think it's really interesting that Jesus describes himself, he uses this imagery of him as a physician, of a doctor, where he says, I have come to heal that which was sick. I've come to restore that which is broken. I've come to clean that which is dirty. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus gives us new life purely by grace. That he doesn't reward you for being good, so he comes into your life and fixes you. He comes into your life precisely because you're not good and you need him. 
You can't earn this. You can't merit this. You can't be good enough for this. You can't be smart enough for this. He comes and gives grace purely as a gift. And that is why I think the worst of the worst always love being around Jesus. Like that's why people in the the Bible, prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors, they're always hanging out with Jesus and they love to be around him because they sense he loves them for who they are. They don't feel the pressure, I've got to perform, because they know they can't perform. They're not good enough. They feel in their bones, he really just loves me and cherishes me and adores me because of him. Because he has a big heart. Because he somehow, in a crazy, mind-blowing way, actually cares about people like me. And if you're someone like that, broken and needy, jacked up in whatever way you're jacked up, that's incredibly good news. If you're in denial and think, I'm not needy, broken, poor, whatever, it's not going to be good news to you. Until you can get to the point where you realize, regardless if I'm overtly messy or just I hide my mess, that I need Jesus. Until you can get to that point, it won't be good news to you. But he offers it to you regardless. And so what we're going to do week in and week out to help get the gospel deeper into our own bones is we're going to go through the book of Galatians this semester. It's a letter in the New Testament that Paul wrote to these churches in this area called Galatia. We'll start next week. And hopefully we'll see week in and week out how deep and rich and life-altering the gospel of grace really is. So, that's RUF in a nutshell. We want to be a community that is marked by being hospitable and safe and warm and fun and, and welcoming to all different types of people. We want to be a, a missional community that invests, serves, loves the people in the place where God has put us, which is at UT. And we want everything that we do to be flavored and marked and fueled by the gospel. So that's RUF. I would love to invite you to come back and be a part of what we're doing this semester. And um, that's an invitation for you. Let me pray, and then we'll come and sing one more song, and we'll be done. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much um, for this time together. Um, It's hot. uh, We're distracted. We are uh, excited to be here. Some of us are already overwhelmed. Some of us are uh, really lonely. Some of us are really uh, disoriented. Some of us have already made really stupid decisions. Uh, some of us are just excited to start class and eager to kind of get back into the rhythm of things. And so, Father, we, we come into this room and we're about to leave this room in all different types of places. I pray that you would meet with us, that you would, that you would show us more about what we just heard about, of this, of this person named Jesus who actually cares about failures, that people that are weak, people that have screwed up, people that have baggage, people that have secrets and shame. And he's not afraid of those things, but actually moves towards us despite those things. To love us, accept us, and feast with us. Father, I pray that this would be good news to us tonight. That it would feed our souls as we move into the semester uh, ahead tomorrow. Father, please be with these folks tonight. I pray that you would, you would give them a community that loves them and blesses them. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name.